We've all been hurt. We all have scars. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can all overcome and we can all be healed. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. Uh, this week, we're going to be taking a look at something that is definitely a hot topic in the church. This is something that many will touch on and then move away from just as quickly. And really, it's something that needs to be deeply looked at because it has to do with defending Jesus and protecting the church. All right. In, in, in the military and in law enforcement, we all raise our hand. We take an oath to defend against enemies, foreign and domestic. And if you spend enough time around veterans of either of these services, you are definitely going to hear remarks about how those oaths don't have an expiration date. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, you know, uh, they, you know, they, you know, veterans and law enforcement uh, veterans, you know, uh, were very much promoted as, uh, you know, the sheepdogs. Uh, this is something that every Christian should also take to heart as well when it comes to protecting the church. It's no different than being at work. You go to work, you work hard, you have coworkers, and they at work just as hard, and they're just as motivated as you are, and you all come together as a great team. And then you have that percentage of people who are just heinous. You wonder not only how did they get this job, but how have they kept it? And in case you haven't already realized it, it's no different in a house of worship. If that's a shocker, sorry, it shouldn't be. All right. Now, uh, before we get into the main text of where we're going to be at today, um, there are a few things I need to go down, go through to lay the foundation for where we're going. So bear with me. We are getting there, I promise. All right. There are several places in the Bible where the word warns us of false teachers, those wolves in sheep's clothing, people who call themselves pastors. And in reality, it is entitled only. They're not truly called by the Spirit. And the reasons vary. You know, some look at it as a showman's job, somewhat power. Some have it handed down by a parent who was in that pulpit and under that mistaken, you know, thought process, think that they'd be a good candidate because they're, oh, you know, this is my kid, you know, um, and they've been brought up in this. Unfortunately, it's not the case. You know, there's several reasons for for these things to happen, um, you know, for people to get into these positions. And we just, for time's sake, we're not going to go into it. We just, we, we don't have that kind of time. You know, that, that, that could be, you know, a, a, day in, a day in and of itself. So um, we're going to start with uh, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 31. So Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 31, the Bible says, The prophet's prophecy lies. The priests rule by their own authority, and my people love it this way. See, this is one of many places where his word is telling us that there are, quote-unquote, preachers that are not led by God's authority. They tell half-truths, lies. They're spinsters. They put the spin on things uh, to, to say what they, what, what they want things to say and, as opposed to what they mean. All right? Not only that, um, but it warns us that the people will like it. You know, those people who are listening. Why? Why would people like this? 
Well, it, it's simple. And in today's day and age, the, the answer is right in front of you because people are entertained because they're being led in that whole, if it feels good, do it type of belief system, that mentality. You know, people don't want to be convicted of their sins. They don't want to be told if they don't repent and turn away that they're going to hell. And that they need to change. They want to be told that they can have everything that they that they want, all their desires right now. That that they're good enough just the way they are. And the truth is, none of us are good enough the way we are. None of us. And following uh, these poor doctrines, to put it lightly, leads straight to hell. It doesn't matter. If what these people are preaching is mostly true or not, and many of them do have enough truth in their messages to fool those who are not truly paying attention. And they bend and they twist the truth to say their message. But you know what? The bending and the twisting of the truth is still a lie doesn't matter if it's a small percentage or a large percentage. A lie is a lie. And we see a lot of these people on TV. We can hear a lot of them on the radio. And, and, and don't confuse this with those people who make honest mistakes. We all make mistakes. Sometimes, no matter what we do, um, you know, we're, we're, we're locked in on this one thing and, you know, we just, we, we missed the mark. That is a mistake. That is not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about here, what we're looking at are these con men that make the rest of us look bad. And I'm here to tell you, the church is not a business. It is not. And shame, shame on those who make it one. You know, as, 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 uh, you know, the, the old meme goes, you know, the, once uh, once you take a, a church and you try to turn it into a business, you've prostituted it, all right? And that sounds harsh, but it's the truth, all right? Now, Second um, Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, the Bible says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to say. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So here, the word is telling us that it's all about the entertainment value. You know, that whole, the show must go on. At least, that's what these entertainers are really about. Uh, you know, the, that they have an image. You have to dress a certain way. You have to talk a certain way. Use a certain lingo to, to, to create this image, this Character is really what they're doing. You know, they're they're concerned about their ratings. How many people are tuning in? How many people are coming in? They they want to bring in those people. Why? Because they bring in more those people, then they're making more money. And of course, there's the power that goes with that. This that this right here. These are the idols that these people truly hold dear. And people are happy to give it an unearned and an improper respect or credit because they're entertained. But it's all spectacle. Smoke and mirrors. See, there, there's a few things here that we should all take notice of. <clears throat> One, 
these people, these con men, they don't care about the truth or any judgment that comes from it, right? Uh, it, it, it kind of falls into that whole thing of, uh, you know, there's, you know, uh, um, trying to think of the, the old showbiz thing like there's there's no there's no such thing as bad advertising something along those lines um so you know they don't care about the truth or the judgment from that from not following the truth to the line all right secondly the truth to them is whatever twisted truth that gets them noticed they want to be noticed it's a little bit like a terrorist here right and third they use viewpoints that support their own selfish desires, and they will defend these different views using their own experiences that just happen to align with their narrative. Imagine that. All right? the, the Bible warns us here. It says, keep your head in all situations. It's telling us to be mindful and not let us stray just because something sounds good. All right, you know the, you know, if people do get caught up if something sounds good, you know. It's, but there's something to be said for that, you know. If it's too good to be true, so you know this right here. This is why many pastors, myself included, tell people, don't take our word for it, but actually read your Bible. The best way to know that what you're hearing from someone is the truth is to know it for yourself, and the way you know it is by reading it or hearing it. You know, if you listen to the Bible, there's enough apps and stuff out there today um, that, that will read it to you. All right, and this brings us to our main reading for today, the book of Jude. And we're going to be spending quite a bit of time here. Um, it, it, it's actually gonna be broken into two parts, all right? Um, now I'm gonna tell you the book of Jude, it's a bit of a tough read, um, kind of dry. Okay, um, but we're going to get through this. Bear with me. This is good. It's important. It's very, very important. And the first section here, the first of which we're going to take our most time um, going through. All right, the second part, much faster, not as hard um, as the first part. Now, um, Jude is one of the shortest books in the Bible. You notice I kind of had a little theme here lately going through the shortest books in the Bible. But you know what? They're important. They're very important. And as I've said before, a lot of people tend to skip over them or they'll pick little bits and pieces. But you know what? It's here for a reason. It is the word and we need to be aware of exactly what all of the word is. All right. So, uh, again, the book of Jude, one of the shortest books in the Bible, it comes just before Revelation. So at the very end of your book, if you're looking for it, <coughs> um, it was written approximately 65 AD by Jude. Now Jude, along with uh, his brother James, they're the half-brothers. So Jude is a half-brother to Jesus. Now remember, God is the father of Jesus. So that means you know Jude and James, they share the same mother, Mary. But they had different fathers. Jesus had God, and as we know, Mary is married to Joseph. So he wrote this to remind the early church to remain vigilant because there had, had been false teaching at that time and heresies. So this isn't something new. This isn't a new problem that the church has been facing in recent years. This is something that's been going on since the very beginning, and it's an issue that's been continuously growing as we started to discuss here today. And the Bible even tells us 
it's going to get worse. All right, so as much as that doesn't sound like it's very hopeful, that's okay because there is still hope to be had here. All right, so the first part of Jude we're going to be looking at covers verses 1 through 16, and it's a warning about the danger of false teachers, which obviously that's what we're looking at today. Uh, and we're going to be looking into this section before we go into the second part, um, okay? <clears throat> so we're going to go ahead and we're going to dive in here and we're going to look at Jude, Jude verses 1 through 4, all right? The Bible says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother to James, to those who have been called who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy peace and love be yours in in abundance so there's our greeting okay dear friends although i was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share i felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to god's holy people for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. Okay, so we see, we see some jargon here. So let's define that real quick. What, what is it to contend for something. Well, per the dictionary, to contend for is to engage in a competition or a, a campaign in order to win or achieve something. All right. It also means to assert something as a position uh, in an argument. So it's taking a stance on something. Now, how do we do that? Well, for one, we read and we learn our Bible. We learn the word. All right. This isn't just up to uh, clergy members, but anyone who professes to be a Christian. See, you you won't recognize false doctrine or bad teaching unless you read the Bible for yourself. You have to know it. All right. Second, we work to grow in our relationship with the Lord. While we have the ability to read, we need to have a relationship to further understand the meaning of what is being said. All right, and the best way to think of it, think of text messaging. Text messaging is a wonderful example here. So you can get a text from somebody, and it could be, you know, and the words are right there, they're in black and white. But the way you interpret that message may well be completely different of how the sender intended it for various reasons, okay? I mean, you, you're, you're seeing it, you're seeing the words, but you're not hearing the inflection, the tone, you know, uh, of what's being said. So you misinterpret it. That happens to all of us. We've all been there at some point. You know, it's one of those things that I say, don't text angry, okay? Uh, you know, also as Christians, we contend for the faith by standing unified in the core values, the essentials, or in other words, the basics of our faith as it's found in God's word. Okay, the Bible is our basis. While we may not see eye to eye on everything, the underlying foundation is the same across the board. 
Example here, as we talked about before, music and worship. All right, we just spoke about that, you know, last week. There's going to be different thoughts on how these things should be carried out and what kind of music should be played. All right, but the underlying is still that it is there, that it belongs. The Bible tells us so, right? Okay, so uh, moving along here into verse 4, the Bible talks about those who have slipped in, that they are ungodly. And this is specifically calling out those false teachers, those who are already preaching uh, a prosperity theology, something Paul spoke of in Romans 6. See, they, they twist and they redirect things to fit their narrative, to fit their aspirations. And while they may very well find riches and power here on earth, what these people fail to see is that those things are all going to be gone in a moment. That they're going to be burned by the very fire that they're playing with when God's judgment comes upon them. There's also a belief that's held by many um, that how someone chooses to live has little to nothing to do with their faith. I'm here to tell you, it's very much to the contrary. When you have faith and repent from sin, you change. Repentance is change. And when you're truly faithful and a follower of Jesus, your life is going to change. By following his principles, they, they're, they're going to change you. How you act, how you treat others, how you talk. Your interests are going to change. The things that you put value in are going to change. And people will be able to see him in you. you know, there's very much a reason why Jesus said that we are the light and the salt. Okay, Now, back to, back to Jude. We're going to look at verses 5 through 7. The Bible says... Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and their surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. All right. Now, notice there are several references being made here. Several. First, there's the mention of the Israelites, who even after being rescued from Egypt, they still didn't trust in God. That's pretty that's pretty shocking in its in and of itself. <clears throat> and we can learn more about that by looking at uh, the book of Numbers chapter 14 um, you know verses 26 through 39 and then we see a mention of the fallen angels uh, to see what happened to them. We only need to look to second Peter uh, chapter 2 verses 4 the bible and the bible says for if god did not spare the angels when they sinned but sent them to hell putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment they were in heaven with god and they still fell why due to pride and finally we see mention of sodom and gomorrah these these towns that were so sinful so immoral so turned from god that the Lord didn't just punish them. He wiped them completely off the earth, as we see in Genesis 19. So what do all these references 
have in common? Rebellion. Rebellion. I mean, obviously sin, but rebellion. These were all rebellions against God. Sins against God. And as the Bible tells us in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin, or in other words, the cost of sin, is death. And to be clear, condemned to hell. And we see it in these rebellions. God's chosen people, angels who were in heaven, and true sin cities were all punished. So you know, when I say Sin City, if you're thinking Vegas, guess what? It's not alone. There are a lot. <clears throat> so there are many people that don't want to believe that God will send them to in, in, in ter- eternal fire for rejecting him. Yet the Bible's made it clear. And Jude is warning all who rebel against God, ignore him, or just outright reject him, it, that they will be separated as well. They're going to be condemned to that eternal fire. And if those who are supposed to be teachers and know better have turned as well, how much, how, how much worse is it going to be for them? And the Bible tells us in James 3, verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Teachers have a huge responsibility to their students. It's not a small undertaking. You know, as much as the, the, the movements that are out there now talk about, you know, changing things uh, in the schools and how things are being taught and what's being taught, teachers and teachers out there are listening, you have a moral and an ethical responsibility to make sure that your students are being taught properly. All right. And we see these things in the news um, regularly. We'll see grade schools popping up. Um, or a university, you know, for the same reason. And because teachers, or as we're talking about here, preachers, whatever the title is that they have, they're to be educated themselves they're, because they're held to a higher standard. All right. It, it's something, it's, it's like any other vocation. There's always continuing education. There's always something more to learn. All right. Just because you hold one book in your hand doesn't mean you know it all. All right, there's still plenty to learn. Um, picking back up in Jude 8 um, through 10, the Bible says, In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. Even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand. And the very things they do understand by instinct as irrational animals do will destroy them. If you recall in Genesis 19, the men in Sodom, they insulted angels sent by God. In the same way, false teachers mock God's messengers. And this isn't something to be taken lightly. They slander and put down the things that they don't understand, just as they did in Peter's day. So this isn't something new. And if that wasn't bad enough, a lot of false teachers, they claim to possess secret knowledge or some similar mystical wording as if they're beyond basic human understanding. You know, they've been lifted up like, like they're a gatekeeper or some kind of a special prophet. 
in, in you know, on a side note, this is another reason to be very careful if somebody claims the title of prophet. Um, you know, uh, that, that that itself is a very, you know, special term. You know, and prophets were specific people in the Bible. The Bible tells us all about them. You know, and it's, it, it is a mockery that not only belittles God, but everyone else. You know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's making fun of them. You know, if, if you look back to Second Peter chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, you'll find the Bible says something very similar here as well. And the Bible says, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. It's easier for them to joke about and to undermine the things that they fear or just plain don't understand. Right, and, and like I say, you know, people, uh, you know, they're 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 going to get caught up in, in all these things, and you know, the end of days, it's telling us, you know, people just it's a very much a, if it feels good, do it mentality. You know, uh, bear with me, guys. Though, um, you know, we're 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 getting there. We're we're already past the halfway mark. Uh, I, you know, like I said, this is a much harder read than what we're used to. So so hang in there with me. All right, picking up in Jude verse eleven, the Bible says, "Woe to them." They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. All right, now this is another short verse that is packing a lot of punch. All right, the old one, two here. You know, here we see Cain, who of course killed his brother out of jealousy, Balaam, who prophesied out of greed, and Korah, who rebelled against those who were put in leadership positions by God. And did so in an effort to get power for himself. He wanted the power. All right. And these are traps that false teachers, and not just them, but a lot of people adopt as their attitudes in life. You know, these are the things that people go, the, the idols that people prize. You know, pride, selfishness, jealousy, greed, uh, power, you know, um, trying to corrupt others as well, you know, uh, be able to manipulate them to get to what they want, you know, and, uh, and not only that, but, you know, they ignore God's will. They put themselves first and they throw God in that back seat, you know, and, and where do these things fit into your life? You know, this is something we all need to ask ourselves and what can we do to remove them? Because while we're talking about false teachers there are things that impact all of us at some point because at some point we're all teachers of some sort. All right. Um, Jude verses 12 through 16, the Bible says, these people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain Blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame-wandering stars, for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, 
the seventh from Adam prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict them all of ungodly acts that uh, they have committed in their ungodliness. And of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are these people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Wow. So the early church believers they would have a full meal. So like they would sit down for dinner, right? They, they they'd have a full meal and then after that was done, they would share in communion together. Okay, this was called a love feast. <coughs> Basically, it, it was a time of fellowship. Um, they'd come together, they'd have fellowship, and they would prepare their hearts to have communion. You know, it's those of us, you know, you go to communion. We we talk about this and why we have communion. All right. Um, however, in several churches, this feast this turned into a time of drunkenness and gluttony. Um, a prime example in Corinth. Uh, showed where there would be some gluttons uh, just making absolute pigs of themselves while others went hungry. And you can find that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. All right. These people, these people are contaminant. All right. They pollute and they damage everyone and everything around them. Very similar to places of worship that call themselves churches today. You know, uh, those places, uh, for example, you know, that stock up the pantry. But then when people who are in need come looking, they're turned away and they're told, oh, sorry, it's for members only. We don't have enough. And then they'll give to their own church members when it's time for certain items to expire, you know, and then they'll put them out, you know, and so they give to their own church members. And when it's time for certain things to expire, they'll take those things and they put them out on the counter for the members to take before they're thrown out or certain holidays come around and they'll give to their members and then people will you know they'll, they'll come in and say oh you want to let's okay cool and stock up no problem but only for select groups not even everybody's necessarily allowed in uh for that you know but these churches will still say that they're reaching out in love you know um not not exactly what we're supposed to do is it not not a lot of love not a lot of mercy not a lot of grace um, you'll notice in verses 12 and 13 that these teachers are compared to a number of useless things as well. Um, why? Because they don't produce anything. You know, in, in Christian jargon, in the Christian world, we would say that they're not producing fruit. And then, not only that, so not, not only are they called useless, but then they're called twice dead. So what's this mean? Well, it's a reference to the first death, which we will all meet because we all know that, you know, th these bodies that we're living in are only here for a limited time. But the second death is where only the believers are brought into the Lord's presence in heaven and everyone else is separated from God and sent to hell. All right. This section here, it finishes out talking about the return of Jesus and the judgment to come. That everyone will stand before him in answer for their misdeeds. Uh, and that's why it's so important to repent now and to lean on Jesus, to follow him, to lean on his word, and to point others towards him. All right? None of us can take 
the word of another. We need to know it for ourselves and to accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior if we're going to spend eternity with him. All right, we are we already know, you know, he is the only way. He is the gateway to heaven. All right. So in the last part of Jude, um, it is a call to, to keep the faith, to remain vigilant. Now, this is much easier. We're going to go through this much, much faster. Okay, the hard part's done, guys. All right. So we're, 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 we're rounding third now. All right. So we'll see this in Jude verses 17 through 23. The Bible says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. So in verses 17 through 19, much like we've already seen, other apostles also warned about these false teachers. And we see this throughout the Bible, several places. When the word speaks of the last times, it's referring to the time that we live in now. This is that time between the first and the second coming of Christ. All right, So that's where we are today in history. Now, in verses 20 through 21, we're being told to stay close to God and to fellow Christians. So don't let yourself get drawn in by those and by wolves in sheep's clothing. All right. Can you learn anything from them? Yeah, potentially, but it's a very, very slippery slope. You're essentially walking out into a spiritual minefield. Um, not the best choice. All right. Now, in verses 22 through 23, we're told, to be compassionate and to introduce people to Jesus, to do our part, to answer the Great Commission. You know, when the Bible says, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh, it's telling us that while we should hate sin, we still need to love and to share the gospel with sinners and unbelievers. <coughs> you know, let, let's face it. Sharing the gospel is very much a life or death situation. And it can be really hard to find that common ground with someone to start a dialogue with. But don't allow that to pull you into sin. That, that common ground, okay? That, that is our quicksand right there. And that's where we run into trouble. You know, what we need to do is we need to point the way to Christ and stand firm right where we're at. Remember, we don't get to decide what the Bible is about. We don't get to decide what the Bible teaches. Rather, the Bible is what tells us, the church, what we need to teach to others. 
How we point the way to Jesus. It's not about a production. It's not about showmanship. It is about salvation. All right now, Jude uses a prayer, a praise to close. So in Jude verses 24 and 25, the Bible says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. All right. So keep in mind, we're all broken. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the goal, right? It's all the more reason for each and every one of us to show compassion to our fellow man, even the non-believers. I should actually say especially the non-believers. All right. Now, while we know there are a lot of false teachers out there, when we keep his word as our base and we lean on God to guide us instead of the words of men, we know we'll be directed down the right path. We have to remain vigilant to ensure the word isn't tainted and it's not only for ourselves but for others all right remember protect from enemies foreign and domestic we need to watch out so just as in the early days of the church we are all subject to the same errors the same temptations uh, the same poor doctrines that are presented by false teachers but we don't need to be afraid we haven't been given a spirit of fear. Second Timothy chapter one verse seven. The Bible says, "For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline." See, God will protect us. It is on us to keep our guard up and to keep looking to Jesus, even in the storm. Keep looking to Jesus, and remember, even though these people are blinded by their sin. We still need to pray for them continually. We need to pray for them and pray for them to come around, that their hearts were softened, that they will repent and follow the Lord. And not only that, but we need to pray for all those that they influence. There are flocks out there who don't even know where they're being herded. You've got this. Stay vigilant. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary, or you can visit our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. God bless.